Hello and welcome to Crosstalk, where all things are considered. I'm Peter Lavelle. In light of NATO's assertion this past week that Ukraine will be a member of the military alliance, is NATO planning for a direct military intervention in Ukraine? If yes, then it intends on going to war with Russia. To discuss these issues and more, I'm joined by my guest, Martin Jay in Marrakesh. He is an award-winning journalist and commentator. And in Budapest, we cross to George Samueli. He's a podcaster at The Gaggle, which can be found on YouTube and Locals. All right, gentlemen, crosstalk rules in effect. That means you can jump anytime you want, and I always appreciate it. All right, let's start out with George in Budapest. George, we had the um, Secretary General of NATO, of NATO, Stoltenberger. He visited Ukraine, actually, for the first time since the conflict started. Um, media reports it was unplanned. I have a hard time believing that. Um, but, you know, what could be passed off as boilerplate commentary, Ukraine will become a member of the military alliance. I don't take it as boilerplate. I take that very, very seriously. And the Kremlin has taken it very seriously, too. And it, it begs the question, uh, if Russia, is, is its intentions for this entire uh, operation is to uh, deny Ukraine NATO membership and NATO persists, that means we go up the escalation ladder, George. Yes, Peter, that's exactly right, because the issue of uh, Ukraine's membership of NATO is at the heart of this conflict. And if you insist upon uh, declaring that Ukraine will be a member of NATO, something that uh, you know uh, it isn't really up to uh, NATO to decide. It's up to the, uh, the the countries of NATO, the 31 now members of states of NATO to decide. But if you insist on that, it's very hard to see how any kind of um, a peace agreement is yeah. possible. And Stoltenberg really isn't interested in any peace agreement. It's clear that he, that he is declaring that, well, we, we have to go towards victory. And this is something that... Peter, you and I have discussed before. NATO is the NATO uh, leaders now declare that uh, Russia will not dare to escalate to nuclear weapons. That's that's their position now. That, oh well, we don't have to worry about Russia uh, escalating to nuclear. Um, but we we NATO, however, are ready to escalate. So should Russia just you know move one inch, one inch uh, to the west? We are ready to go all out, and we are ready to escalate. So when when you combine that with these categorical declarations that uh, we, you know, that uh, Ukraine will be in NATO, then you have to think we're in a very dangerous situation. Yeah, because Martin, this is it didn't have to be, but it's being it's being it's been turned into uh, an existential conflict. One side wins, one side loses. And that that is a craven choice on the on the part of of NATO, Washington. Okay, because we we haven't heard anything come out of the Biden administration about how to end this conflict at all. And and it's obvious for if these so-called intelligence leaks are true, um, which George and I have con contested, you know their their veracity. Um, um, it shows that this is, has almost nothing to do with Ukraine anymore. It all has to do with the West crushing. Russia. That's what it's gotten down to, Martin. Yeah, and did it did it ever have anything to do with Ukraine? I wonder. Yeah. yeah. Um, these these statements from Stone, uh, from the NATO Secretary General are somewhat astounding, and I don't know whether they can even be believable. They they seem to be as believable as the Pentagon leaks. 
I also take a very skeptical view of Pentagon leaks, by the way. I've been writing about this recently. Um, what is all this about? I mean, can we get a helicopter view of it and try and get some clarity? Is it that the media fodder is running out? So we just don't have enough to send to the journalists by the container load. You know, the stocks are running very, very low. And we need some more polemic statements that are going to get everybody excited. Um, is it that NATO actually believes its own narrative? Does NATO actually believe that we can get to a point whereby NATO membership of Ukraine is even viable? I'm not sure. I think maybe the NATO chief, Stolenberg, actually might well believe that himself, whether he's got the support of the member states is another matter. You said about Biden. We don't heard anything about Biden on this. I don't think we're going to hear anything at all from Biden leading up. He's got, a, he's got a campaign now he's looking at, which should kick off at the end of summer. You know, I'm wondering whether um, this is, as George mentioned or alluded to, I think this is definitely a way of ruling out any possible chance of talks between the West and Russia. You know, what, what is the definitive thing that you can do? You can actually state that uh, Ukraine could be uh, a NATO member at some point. To me, it seems like a bluff. It seems like a bluff because we know that it's very easy for countries to become NATO members. All they need to get is the, is the backing from the parliaments, as Sweden and Finland recently we saw that. But it's a, it's a bigger deal with Ukraine. It's not just the Ukrainian parliament that's going to sign that off. It's going to have to be America and Britain, which will have to sign that off as well. And I can't really imagine um, the one, you know, um, incendiary issue of, of NATO membership of Ukraine being signed off, because what does that mean? That means that then there is no other decision-making process whatsoever for us to send troops to Ukraine. Now, I don't, I don't know how good your memory is, but a few months ago on your show, I said it was only a matter of time before um, British and American troops are sent to Ukraine. I wonder if we are running up now because of this statement. I wonder if, I wonder if NATO is preparing us, because big institutions like NATO always like to prepare the ground. When we started off over a year ago, you know, we couldn't imagine that we got to where we are today. Now we're talking about Poland sending jets, fighter jets, to Ukraine. You know, a year ago, that was... We were also hearing um, a, a peace, quote-unquote, peacekeeping force that could be sent from some coalition of the women. George, that's the, the, Martin has gotten to the whole point of this program. Um, is, is there an imminent... Um, NATO in in, in uh, as far as uh, troops in, with the uh, national flags from NATO countries uh, entering. I mean, we can we can have mercenaries and you can have volunteers and you can have all of that. But I mean, are we at this stage right now? Because I think we are. Because there is the, they can't ratchet back. There's only one gear. It's forward. They they don't know how yeah. to turn this around because and they're not getting the results that they want. I mean, you know, the uh, um, Ukraine is a, a financial basket case right now. It can't pay any of its own bills. Um, the 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 uh, the prime minister of Hungary has made that very clear. But that's the only logical next step, George. But that means potentially World War Three, George. Yeah, exactly. And there are clearly a number of uh, NATO uh, member states that desire this. They really do want this World War Three. They want this apocalyptic uh, playing out of forces. They want a, a one final push to destroy Russia, to wipe Russia off the map. And How many times does that happen in history, George? That kind of <laughs> <laughs> yes, unfortunately, yes. Um, so we've got Poland, uh, the Baltic states, um, Czech Republic, Slovakia—they're all on board, and they want—they somehow want this uh, great 
uh, conflict with Russia. They know perfectly well that they're not going to be doing the fighting in all of this, but it's a way of uh, provoking this conflict and then invoking Article 5. That's the thing. That's, that's it. Once, once we're in and Russia retaliates against us, yeah. then, hey, Article 5, Article 5, and, and the United States are going. The UK is also seems to be on board with this. So th now the, the skeptics, when we're always thinking about France and Germany, they don't seem to have much of a say in all of this. And particularly when you have the German foreign minister, Annalena Baerbock, who's also on board with this. And uh, and the, the increasing belligerence coming from Germany, not so much from Sergeant Schulz, but, but from the rest of it. I mean, we now had yet again another diplomatic uh, spat with, with Russia, with 20 diplomats on either side being expelled. So this is an ongoing thing. And so the, 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 the skeptics are really just pushed out uh, from all of this. And I think there's also... Uh, you know, a lot of troubling things that are going on, 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 on you, know, uh, you know, peripherally. For instance, I mean, we this the story that appeared, and we discussed it on the gaggle in the Washington Post, that very long article uh, <laughs> suggesting that any uh, peace movement in Germany must be essentially banned because this is entirely engineered by the Kremlin. Uh, and then we have in the United States suddenly the the uh, the Justice Department bringing indictments against some obscure uh, you know leftist socialist uh, black nationalist movement because they're being directed by the Kremlin. So it's almost as if a prep the we're being prepared for a crackdown on uh, free speech in anticipation of World War Three. Yeah, but it, 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 Martin, uh, Article Five has been written here, uh, mentioned here. I mean, what is its value? I mean, if we, if it's supposed to be a defensive mechanism to, you know, oh. as a deterrence, now it's being flipped on its head. Let's see how we can get it invoked. I mean, this is the world that we're living in, Martin. Yeah, and we should also remember that this is completely uncharted territory. You know, I think you mentioned on your own show a couple of months ago that this is not um, Libya or Syria. This is Russia. You know, we're going to war with Russia, and I, I think there needs to be a real wake-up call um, from NATO member states to, to exactly what they're getting into. We can't, can we really even envisage Article 5 scenario where other countries would then arrive um, at, at Ukrainian's border and, and cross it, and then we're, we're in a World War Three scenario already. And, you know, you say about France and Germany, well, Germany is looking at this situation and thinking, if that were to happen... What would Putin do to our own country, to Germany? There would be a complete green light, carte blanche, to, for Putin to send rockets into the into the Germany across across Poland, or even tank divisions across, across Poland. They've said this. They've they've voiced this. So I'm I'm skeptical that we can ever get to this doomsday scenario. For me, but it, but it's a game of chicken. That's what it's. I mean, it's it, a game it, of chicken. But you mentioned you mentioned. Um, mercenaries. This is what I'm beginning to think more and more is the plan C. I don't think we're ever going to get to plan B. We'll get to plan B as a tool for threatening, for provoking media coverage and stirring up attention. But we can't really pull off the idea of Ukraine being a NATO member. That's just far too dangerous and far too fanciful. The plan C, I think, is there a compromise plan going on here whereby NATO countries could start thinking about training, um, perhaps covertly, uh, mercenaries. Now, that sounds completely far-fetched. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? But hang on a minute. Britain allowed hundreds of young Libyan men with British passports to travel to Libya to fight with al-Qaeda groups to overthrow the so-called 
um, you know, Mad Dog Gaddafi. So it's not as far-fetched as it sounds. I think I wonder whether NATO members now are starting to panic. They're looking at um, the, 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 the ground forces, Russian ground forces in Bakhmut, who have taken a considerable part of that region and are wondering, will we survive Bakhmut falling? I hope I've pronounced it correctly. I'm sure someone will correct me. Will we actually survive this? Will we survive it on a, on a public image level? Will we survive it, you know, even, even on a practical level? Will that be the end of NATO? Because if that falls, you know what happens in wars when, when one side makes the decisive victory. It doesn't stop. They don't just stop and break out the barrels of, of, of crates of beer. They carry on. There's a momentum there. You know, because you destroy the morale of your enemy, and I'm wondering whether they are starting to panic now. Western countries and NATO. Well, that's and the whole point, Martin. If there's a sense of panic in the air, and when you're panicking, you're not thinking rationally. That's yeah. what makes it dangerous. All right, gentlemen, I'm going to jump in here. We're going to go to a short break, and after that short break, we'll continue more discussion on Ukraine. Stay with our team. Sanchez, and I'm here to plead with you. Whatever you do, do not watch my new show. Seriously, why watch something that's so different? Why listen to opinions that you won't get anywhere else? Look, if it pleases you to have the State Department, the CIA, weapons makers, multi-billion dollar corporations choose your facts for you, go ahead. Why change? And whatever you do, don't watch my show. Stay mainstream, because I'm probably going to make you uncomfortable. My show is called Direct Impact. But again, you probably don't want to watch it because it might just change the way you think. Welcome back to Crosstalk, where all things are considered. I'm Peter Lavelle. This is the home edition to remind you we're discussing some real news.
Okay, George, let's continue with the line of thought that we had on the first part of the program. One of the problems, that, and it's something you and I talked about extensively, is the framing of this conflict, uh, framing it in the West and how Russia frames it. From the very from the get-go, the Russians have said that our, our security is at stake. Uh, you're not respecting our security concerns. We have told you for 30 years, NATO expansion is the brightest of red lines. I'm actually quoting the current um, director of the CIA. Um, and but in the West, it, it's 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 existential, but it is a turned into a purity test. You've already mentioned it. I mean, a black nationalist leftist group uh, um, uh, criticizing the American uh, support of Ukraine, and they're facing litigation. Okay, I mean, the, the, no dissent is allowed at all. Is because it's a purity test. It's good and evil. That's not the way you should frame geopolitics. It always ends in a disaster, George. Yes, uh, exactly right. And that was what's so interesting about um, uh, Stoltenberg. I mean, he, he was saying this in Kiev, and then he went off to the Ramstein Air Base. He said, well, we have to uh, stick with this uh, to the end uh, because, well, because Russia must not be allowed to win. And why must Russia not be allowed to win? Because then we have, you know, dictators get to, you know, you know, de determine what happens in the world and, and so on. So it's a kind of a perfect circular argument. We must win uh, because if we don't win, then the other side wins. And then this is, uh, you know, the, the most terrible uh, thing. So there is never any discussion as to what actually is the, the, the interest, the national interest of anyone in the West. What, what difference does it make to you uh, what happens in Ukraine? It's, it's never explained other than, well, this is uh, you know, this, this horrific moral uh, turpitude that, will, uh, that happens if uh, Russia uh, wins. So because of that, then there is simply really no debate in the matter. And therefore, all it requires is with the media continue to whip this up and say, hey, the, the, the fate of the uh, world depends on what, what goes on in Ukraine. And this is the problem that this, there are so few rational voices that say this that this is really nonsense, that there's, there's, there, there are no uh, essential uh, interests at stake for the West here. And, and that's why this would just continue down this path of escalation. It's hard to see how it's how and where it stops. Because, you know, you know, going back again to Stoltenberg, he, he's pretty much saying that, well, it doesn't really matter what anybody says about the matter. This is just going to happen. We're just simply going to go ahead. The, the, and Ukraine will just be integrated within NATO without anyone having any vote in the matter. You know, mm. then that's yeah. you know, it's uh, you know, that, and therefore we we'll just replace the you know the Soviet era uh, weaponry with NATO weaponry, and that's all there is. So then you're just going to have to accept this. And the and the Russians will be standing by watching the entire time. That's what it sounds. <laughs> I mean, you know, Mark, one of the one of the uh, scary things about this, we've talking about civil liberties already here, but I mean, because of this um, um, almost um, blank check that it, this is the only way that's going to be, you can suppress uh, civil liberties. It, it somehow legitimizes austerity for the for, uh, how the distortions of the economy. You know, people in, in the mainstream media are talking about, well, Europe survived the winter. Well, of course it, it did. But it's the, the winter coming that's going to be the difficult one, not the one that just passed here. But see, because, you know, um, a NATO must expand, uh, it, it must have Ukraine in, it, 
it's the reason why to cover up so many other issues that are that are uh, bubbling up in Western societies, all because of Ukraine. I mean, I don't see how that washes, but it certainly is a um, uh, it's it's a way for the elite to legitimize the status quo. Go ahead. Yeah, Martin. it's a, it's a massive conspiracy to distract media. Like um, regular journalists from writing the regular stories on healthcare, you know, even in America, my American friends are constantly telling me um, we don't have healthcare in America. I think what they mean is free healthcare, um, and yet you've got a defense budget of what is it, seven hundred billion, eight hundred billion? I'm not even sure. If we can send hundred billion to Ukraine, there comes a point, and I guess it will be at the end of the summer when the U.S. election campaign starts. There comes a point where enough blue-collar people ask Joe Biden's people, look, what the hell are we doing in Ukraine? Why are we sending $100 billion there when we've got people here living on the streets and can't get health care? You talk about um, covering up these issues. It, it doesn't only happen on a national level. You're sure many, many journalists are you know, not writing about uh, health care or environment, climate change, the economy, um, in preference for um, so, so, some of these subjects. But it's also, it's a, it's a, it's a sort of genius move by um, the West also to not look at the international subjects. I mean, just look at Israel's uh, treatment of Palestinians in the last six months. Have you noticed it's got a lot worse? Have you noticed the atrocities are just beyond any of our imaginations now? It's just begun, it's gone beyond a pale now. It's gone over a line now. We can't even envisage, we can't imagine the horrors that are going on there. And it's not getting reported. And the reason why it's not getting reported is because there is this binary approach to international media, which NATO people understand very well, which is, you know, let's focus on the big story. The big story is Ukraine. We've invested all the money in Ukraine. We sent our correspondents there. You know, we, our coffers are very low. Um, but I don't think this can go on forever. You know, I think there is a tipping well, I mean, point. It, 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 that, that's the big question because, you know, we, we had uh, Russiagate, we had COVID. I mean, they have they have resources to get to, to control the narrative here. Also, George, isn't it very curious? Again, these leaks, I, get, I, I can't really make heads or tails of it, but there's one interpretation of it is the Ukrainians are not winning. We have to double down. Okay. We, you know, it's actually, they're, they're trying to manipulate um, how people feel about it. Well, we have to win there. So what should we do? So in a way, this is kind of helping the standard narrative that you just need to do more. Plus, you know, um, the U.S. is falling in its its international reputation. China is taking over. All the more so to support Ukraine. It's bizarre. It is. It is. You can never lose if Ukraine yeah. is winning. Therefore, we must stand in even more because hey, they're winning. We, you know, victories within our grasp. If Ukraine is not winning, if Ukraine is losing, hey, we must send more. Otherwise, Putin will will prevail. So there's always a, uh, a rationale for sending even more. And, and the problem is, is that, of course, many people in America are saying, well, what the hell are we doing? Why, why are we spending all this yeah. money on Ukraine uh, when there are all these domestic uh, problems that remain unattended to? However, th that voice never prevails. I mean, it's the amazing aspect of the American political system and, you know, other political systems as well, is that the actual desires of the public never really percolate upstairs. You know, we, we have our political debates, you know, they, they interact with all the favored journalists and, and the journalists never ask those very questions. What the <laughs> hell are you doing spending this money on Ukraine and not at home? Instead, 
how much more can we do for Kiev? Um, you know, what, what if Russia wins? What, what's going to happen then? <laughs> They're always asking questions that the, uh, the politicians can then, you know, sweep away uh, with ease. Well, and it, that's it, 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 how the political system operates. But, but they're, 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 it, it's it's a closed loop, um, uh, uh, Martin. Because look at um, uh, uh, Secretary of State, uh, uh, State uh, Blinken. He's um, uh, Seymour Hersh uh, strongly believes that he's involved with the destruction of the Nord Stream pipeline. Uh, news uh, in the last few news cycles. Oh, who is who is the origin of the fifty one foreign policy experts that saying that the Hunter Biden laptop was uh, Russian disinformation? Who when is he asked any questions by the media? Will he ever be asked any of these questions? It's I, I don't think so. Go ahead, Martin. No, but I, going back to the earlier point, you know what we are watching. I think George is wrong. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put my bang my fist on the table. I think you're wrong about these questions. I think they are starting to be asked. If you look at the Washington Post coverage of Bakhmut just a couple of days ago, the headline um, said uh, Ukrainian troops clinging on. Now the Washington Post is the stalwart defender and supporter of Biden and and, and the Democrats. So to use that, but, but, Martin, can't, but can't you just flip that and just say, but you know, we now we have to intervene. NATO has to intervene, and we just have to intervene. No, okay? but what, what I think, what, I, I think, I think that that's one of the reasons for that that's that spin of the story. You've got to put it into put it put into context. I think I think Ukraine, the Ukraine program needs to win. It needs to advance meter by meter. If it does not advance and nothing happens and there's a, a stalemate, a status quo, by definition, Russia is winning. And I think some of the journalists are starting to wake up to this and they are starting to ask these more difficult questions. There's not a great number, I admit. Um, but I think, but to, to take George to task, I think it's starting to. There are a few of the awkward questions are, asked, are being asked. But, but sorry, can I just, uh, on the point that um, Martin made, Bakhmut is a, is a point of contention, has been for some time between the Americans and uh, Kiev. Uh, and they've made it, the Americans have made it clear in numerous uh, uh, scoops for Washington Post and New York Times that they don't think it's worth it uh, to go on fighting for Bakhmut. They want Ukraine to focus on the counteroffensive, the supposed counteroffensive, in uh, to to break the the land bridge uh, to Crimea. So, the, it, you know what the Washington Post reports is really part of a kind of an ongoing uh, leak and counter leak of this this narrative that the Americans want, which is stop it already with Bakhmut, waste of uh, resources, focus on uh, on this land bridge in Crimea. Okay, yeah, but then also it it also gives people in the Pentagon saying, "Well, we told them, you know, not to do that." They're always looking for an escape at a hatch. Okay, they're not going to be held responsible for this. Okay, all right. Well, we have one more minute left. Go ahead, Martin. Well, yeah, I think it's, George is right, but it's still a real town, and it is still um, very symbolic, and it will it is still very crushing to the morale of the Ukrainian troops. So, but I think more crushing now, and I think more relevant is the timing of this. NATO statement about um, Ukraine NATO membership. I think it's really important that um, Zelensky is starting to get nervous. He's starting to get nervous about the timeline, about the number of of, uh, of of military kit that can be sent to Ukraine in the in the time span before we hit winter. You mentioned winter before. The last winter was quite mild. If the next one isn't so mild, things may well be very different. But let's not remember that Zelensky was the one who reached out to China at the end of February and said, "Call me." Now, that has to be spooking the Americans. There's no way that Biden can sleep well at night with this scenario that, at the end of the day, it's China that comes in and brokers a peace deal because the credibility of NATO will just collapse. People will, people will reduce 
people will think of NATO as nothing more than a talk shop like the Arab League or, you know, the European Parliament or something stupid. If, if China comes in and, and, the, and Zelensky has said he wants them to come in, you know, that changes the game completely. So I wonder whether this panicking from NATO is really about Zelensky's own position. And that's what we're, we've run out of time, gentlemen, but we all agree on that. We see we can smell and see panic in the air. And that's why we all should be very, very worried. Always too little time for these big, big topics here. I want to thank my guests in Budapest and Marrakesh. And I want to thank our viewers for watching us here at RT. See you next time. Remember, cross doctors.